My name is Taina Asili, and you're listening to Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and the Mic. My name is Gerardo Munoz. Kevin is away on assignment today. He will not be joining us for this conversation today. Sorry to disappoint you. Um, if you are new to the show, as we've said before, you gotta make sure you give us a follow on all social media platforms at Two Dope Teachers on Instagram, Twitter. Yes, we're still on Twitter. See how long that goes. We're just trying it out. We're hoping it works out. Uh, we've actually connected with a bunch of you on Twitter. And so that's been the beautiful thing is to find other black and brown educators and media creators who are out there doing this stuff. So you can still find us there. Uh, we are still on Facebook. Some of y'all still engage us on Facebook. It's beautiful. It's good keeping that Facebook alive. And if you have questions or feedback or suggested topics that you want us to do on the show, you can email us two dope teachers at gmail.com. Calm. Well, folks, here we are. We are coming to the end of a semester, and I'm super excited to welcome to the podcast, to the Two Dope Nation, the brilliant author Sulma Arsu Brown. Sulma, how are you? I am so grateful to be with you today, to be with you, Gerardo. Eres un gran amigo, una persona importante y especial. Thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, for sharing this platform with me. And I know we have a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things, yeah. about, but the commonality is unity among right. each and every one of us. So super grateful to speak unity. Oh man, I love it. That's a great intro. I love it. And folks, you know, um, if you haven't heard of Sulma's work, you really got to go find it. We're going to talk a little bit about her books today, what inspired her to write, why she writes about what she writes about, a little bit of her story. Um, but Sulma and I met at the ALAS uh, National Conference in Puerto Rico. Oh, I miss Puerto Rico right now. I don't know how it's how it is out there in uh, the South Bronx, but but here it is. We are getting warnings that it's going to snow tonight. So, and man, Puerto Rico is different. <laughs> Very different. La Isla del Encanto. Who doesn't del love Encanto? That? That's right. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So we had met, um, and it and it was really amazing, y'all. Um, there was a uh, panel discussion on representation in books for Latinx communities. And uh, there were some dope people on the panel. Um, you were there talking about Pelo uh, Malo No Existe, which we'll uh, talk about in just a moment. John Leguizamo was on the panel talking about the importance of books and representation. And I remember y'all got this like standing ovation um, talking about those perspectives. Um, it was, That was cool. That And that so that's where I kind of like started paying attention. I'm like, oh, I need to know what this person's work is all about. And then um, I was really fortunate to be in a session facilitated by folks at Scholastic and you participated and you attended that session. That was really dope. So um, so that's how we kind of connected. And um, I'm so glad that we're able to get on this podcast uh, on on this on this Monday of your birthday week. Yes, my birthday week. Can I just also say that one of my favorite words and it's in my vocabulary daily is dope so i think i called you into existence it's the law of attraction <laughs> oh I, I have no doubt i have no doubt 
I have no doubt. We, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we try, we, we try to stay dope and that's how we kind of say things at the end, but it's, but it's good. And I notice a lot of people misusing the word like, and, and I don't know how to explain it. Like there are some basketball, like podcasters I listen to. I'm like, no, that's not how you say dope. Like that's, no. that's not why you say it. You don't say it in that way, but you know, but so, so I imagine that, um, you are also a connoisseur of dopeness. Um, oh, you just took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, uh, about the dopeness. That's right. It's all about the dopeness. And uh, well, great minds think alike. Isn't that, isn't that the case? So um, I, I want to go ahead and start and kind of learn a little bit about you and, and share some of your incredible um, kind of perspectives with our audience. So a little bit of your story, share that with us. Um, and then how are some of the experiences that you had growing up kind of shaped the person you start that you've be, that you are becoming um, as we go through this life? Yes, yeah, sure. So I am a proud, very proud Garifuna, Garifuna. woman, Garifuna yeah. woman immigrant uh, from Honduras. I was raised in the South, South Bronx, the South Bronx. And my parents actually came here uh, because in Honduras, although they were both college educated, my mom was not allowed to, um, uh, was not permitted to get a higher position in the financial institution in which she worked, mm. even though she asked, even though she knew most of the people that were being interviewed were not as qualified as her, but her yeah. boss uh, was very candid with her, understanding mm. the human that my mom was. And she's, yeah. he told her, I, I know that you're more qualified than anyone, any of these white men that we've interviewed. We cannot give you the job because you're a Garifuna, because you're a Black, because you're a woman. You might as well just say because you also have an Afro, right? Because right. she had it's an like, Afro yeah. uh, at the time. But he also remembered that she had family and her father was, um, my grandfather was in New York and, he's, and he advised her to go to New York, mm. learn the language, go to school, also become college graduates. And he wow. also told her, if I were you, and this is the mistake I see a lot of people make, if I were you, I would leave your children in the care of the family members you have here in Honduras so that you can go and just handle your business. Just give yourself that time. Yeah. And she had to have a very deep conversation with my dad and we were left in the care of a village. Yeah. So I, I, I re-met my mom, I think, four years. I was two, I, I believe, when she came, one or two. And then I reunited with my parents about four years later. And the yeah. interesting part is that I have, I have enough memory of that time being in the small town of Santa Fe, Colón, that I even remember still like how the, 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 the sand fell on my foot. So even though I go oh, wow. back home to this day, the first thing I have to do is walk barefoot. Oh. I also remember how las tias and las primas and the cousins would just share this beautiful yeah. love together through hair. Right, you can walk down. If you're despeinada, or if you're breathing, <laughs> redone is a is a there's a, a a term that I love. It's called mutu. It's an endearing Komutu. term, like honey or sweetheart. It's like Vení para acá, mutu, que te voy a peinar. <laughs> Come here, that. I'm gonna do your hair. So we used to bond as a community yeah. through that, through hair, through um, we had things called cor coronation. So at that time, it's just like who had the prettiest braids or the prettiest. Yeah. Beard, right? 
So we, we used to express a lot of love. And of course we were near the water. So the coconuts, so all natural elements uh, in wow. our hair. Never did I hear the term bad hair. It was more mm. than peinada. Let me make you beautiful. The by peinada, yeah. Hair and, and, and braiding it, right? Yeah. Um, so that was the experience in which I grew up in. I, it wasn't until I came to the United States, really, that um, I realized that there was um, a big divide because we, my brother and I, we skipped the city in Honduras. So we weren't um, aware of the racism that was mm, in the okay. city because I am the black community in Honduras. Yeah, I am a marginalized yeah. community um, in, in, in Honduras. So coming here, uh, the Bronx, New York, the South Bronx, uh, it was a natural progression because even though we spoke the Garifuna language, which is our native tongue, we also spoke Spanish, so it was easy yeah. for us to assimilate. The like the 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 Garifunas that came to the United States say in the 1930s, for example, they went to Harlem because they wanted okay. they, they because they, we were black, so we saw people that looked like us. So this is where yeah. we should have been, right? This yeah. is where we need to be. But then we realized um, we 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 um, were raised as a community, so it was important for us to communicate and talk, and we couldn't do it with our African American cousins. So that's when we came to the Bronx, New York, where we were able to at least um, get by with the Spanish that we learned in Honduras. And so the majority of the Garifuna people uh, in New York are in the South Bronx, where I live. Wow, this is incredible. I mean, it's such a rich history. And I think I have to really confess my ignorance to a lot of Garifuna history and culture. Like, I think the first time that even the word Garifuna, the people popped up on my radar radar was years ago when that album of music came out, the Garifuna Women's Project. And I remember listening to it and feeling like this is like like it's got hints of things that I'd heard before, but it was a sound that I'd never really heard before. So for a lay person who is just learning about the Garifuna people on this podcast, um, who are the Garifuna people and, and, um, and sort of what is it that, that kind of distinguishes you as a culture? Yeah, we are the black Caribs. The Garifuna people are the black Caribs who we consider our motherland to be St. Vincent's and the Grenadines, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because St. Vincent, number one, it was the last island to get colonized by the British. Okay. Uh, and that's because the Garifuna people, my ancestors, fought for it. The reason They're why. They're like, I nah. Say, yeah, we, were, <laughs> we, we knew what we had. So we're going to fight. Like, nah. <laughs> right? It was a beautiful yeah. island. It was That's ours. Right. We cultivated it. Um, so there were some, uh, it was considered a, a neutral territory, uh, English, British, French. So uh, there were some uh, slaves from Barbados that escaped to St. Vincent and the Brent and the Grenadines. They were the, the Arawak Indians who were there and enslaved oh. uh, and an enslaved ship from Africa who ended up in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I always say you put us all in a blender, right? And you get this beautiful smoothie called the Garifuna people. That's oh, it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we kind of call, call it like the motherland that gave way uh, to a lot of it. And most of the um, most of the Garifuna language, uh, it's really um, Arawak based because a lot okay. of the black men would marry the Arawak women, and mm -hmm. the and the and the women passed on the language. So it's a very matriarchal oh. um, community. So un understanding that like allows me to understand why my mom is so like brave 
enough to, yeah. to bring us here, why my grandmother was brave enough uh, yeah. to do the things that she did for all of her children. So that's really in my ancestral blood. So in March 11th of 1797, the British, during the Second Carib War, the British actually killed off our Chief Joseph Chatouillier and about 5,000 of my Garifuna people, they were their surviving ones. We waved the white flag of surrender and the goal for my 5,000 ancestors was literally genocide. So they put us in a nearby island called Bali Sioux. Reptiles could survive there. Uh, Half of my population perished. And because the British was the world's bully, uh, they were having another war in Central America. So what they figured they would do is, hey, these Garifunas, you know, could could help us fight help us fight yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. over there. so they put us in uh, 11 convoy ships and they have the exact number of men women and children yeah. um that took that trip so when we got to central america we ended up in roatan which is known as the bay islands it was not a part of honduras um at that at, at that time but it is now so we ended up going inland to honduras and sided with the spanish and the Spanish uh, won won the war. And the reason why I also identify as an Afro-Latina is not only because I was born in a Spanish-speaking country, but because the Spanish did not, did not enslave my people. I think that if they would have enslaved my people, I would not be identifying as a Latina. Mm. I don't even care whether or not I was born there. But you right. give credit to where credit is due. And because mm. of them, right, they helped our ancestors, uh, us survive at this point, right? So I'm gonna give credit to where credit is due. We would not have been able to do it uh, without the Spanish that were in that land um, at that time. So we took over, um, we we settled, not took over, we settled in the coastlands of Central America and then uh, of on the coastline of Honduras. And then we moved from to Guatemala, Belize and Nicaragua. So you'll find mm-hmm. Garifuna people all throughout that. And don't you worry about not knowing the Garifuna history that much because the Garifunas from Honduras, Guatemala and Nicaragua, we didn't know our history because a lot of our history was uh, written in English. So our, our, our brothers and sisters from Belize, they were able to understand their history because uh, Belize is the only English colonized country in Central right. America. So they speak oh, English okay. and they were able to read the books. It wasn't until I came to the United States, college grad, you know, um, college student, did the research on my culture, found some wow. mentors. They told me even more about the Garifuna. So, so I'm consistently, constantly still learning. And there's uh, uh, and we're putting all the pieces of confusion together now. Yeah. Because, you know, because this is the, the Garifuna story based on. Um, you know, a lot of mentorship, a lot of things that that I've seen on, on maps, but then others are still trying to piece those pieces together. And it's only yeah. when we come together that we can say, hey, you know, this is how it actually happened. So we're mm. still piecing our history together. Yeah. One thing we can agree on is that uh, it's through oral tradition that we kind of learned it. Uh, our, our, our commonality with all Garifunas everywhere is that we understand the value of our language. Right. Mm-hmm. However, language is not a barrier to keep us from each other. Just you know yeah. if, if I don't speak Garifuna and I'm telling you I'm Garifuna, we know that our ancestors fought the good fight together and mm. common ground. Right. Yeah. We know that all of our ancestors were family and together they came together and together they rebuilt an yeah. entire population. And that's for, for us, that's like that that grounds us that links us if i see a garifuna somewhere like we're already family we're trying to figure out the family tree 
<laughs> I yeah. always joke with my mom. <laughs> I always joke with my mom. And I'm like, mom, you know, for some reason, if I introduce you to a Garifunai young man, you know, back in the days when, when, when I was dating, we, what, when, they were just friends. We were cousins. As soon as we started dating, oh, don't worry, you're not really cousins. <laughs> well, right, because I think there's a really similar thing in, right. in I, I identify as Chicano, Mexican American. It's the same kind of thing. It's kind of yeah. like, oh yeah, that's your primo, that's your prima, that's your tia, that's your tío, and then you find out you're not actually blood related, but <laughs> it's just someone who's been like around for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, and my spouse and my spouse is from Mexico, um, and it's the same kind of thing. It's kind of like, I mean, it's a it's a cousin. I don't know, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's definitely true. You know, where that you know finding that sense of place is like, oh, where are you from? And oh, do you know so and so? And I think that's even a more powerful version of the history. Um, I'm just letting all this soak in because, uh, you know, it's so incredible to me that, you know, um, time and again, I'm reminded that every culture in the world, whether it has a billion people or whether it has 50,000 people, it's got this deep, rich complexity to it. Mm -hmm. And that you meet one person and you're like, hey, tell me about mm -hmm. something a little bit about yourself. And then you realize, uh, not realize, but you're able to see that, no, this is a like every, every culture has a complex history. This is our complex history. And uh, I'm so grateful to you for sharing that um, with me. Uh, now, now I'm like motivated. Let's let's get into some some sources and see what this looks like. So I, I really appreciate that. No, it's beautiful. So we um so one of the things that um that just I mean, and this is just something that I think is wonderful. You talked about you know searching for that history, and um you've started to you you've you've become a writer. So. And I think I think writing is such a powerful thing, like everything that you leave, um, you know, is is a documentation of an experience that's been had at a point in time and it connects to others. So what is it that inspired you to become a writer? Why did you want to write? Um, and then that kind of goes into some other questions about, you know, stories that you're really proud of when we and we can talk about um, your book from eight years ago. I know you've got other books that you've written as well. Um and then kind of what what kind of stories, you know, remain untold and maybe that, that's a weird question. I know. How do we know they're not told? But but there's the question of, you know, as you observe with the writer's eye, what do you see out there that needs to be documented? But yeah, how, how, why did you become a writer? Yeah, sure. Why did I become a writer? I never set out to become a writer, by the way. Mm. I um, even when I came out as an author. I wasn't, even after I had the tangible book in my hand, Belo Malo No Existe, I was literally going to the New York Botanical. Yep. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so holding it right the, here, y'all. Belo Malo No Existe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I happened to, um, uh, someone had saw in the social media space that I wrote a book. And one of my friends came up to me, hey, Suma. I didn't know you were an author. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not about? an author. Right? I'm not an author. <laughs> I kid you not. And she could tell you this story. Herself, That's amazing. Right? And she's like, <laughs> and then, um. And she goes, what do you mean? <laughs> you wrote a book. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I am an author. I'm so, this is literally how I it love happened. it. I love right? it. Because the book came out of love. I I, I really, truly um um truly uh mean it when 
we were younger, like I expressed in my hometown, and this is all in retrospect now, eight years later, how we bonded over hair and how we bonded over giving each other compliments, right? But a lot happened between when I left my hometown and growing up here in, in the South Bronx and, and hearing this term, pelo malo, mm. right? And yeah. I even though I would sit there in the uh you know in the chair getting my hair straightened because that was you know it's yeah. the norm here yeah. uh the term pelo malo never really sat well with me and mm. it wasn't until I became a mom when I wanted to make sure that whatever insecurities I had inside to just flip that in yeah. front of my children constantly and consistently so I was always complimenting their hair um their beauty their strength their mm. wisdom their intelligence and you know my my husband um is a partner uh in that space with me so when we went to the caregiver someone labeled uh, my then three-year-old daughter's hair as pelo malo and mm. it was um you know and and at that point I could have gotten angry um, as a woman of faith, as a Christian, I remember this 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 word while I was studying the Bible: indignant, like in, indignant, right? Um, a righteous anger, you know. Yeah. In your anger, do not sin. You know, as a mom, that you would never put your daughter in a place that someone didn't love her, respect her, and appreciated the family values. Yeah. So it took yeah. everything in me to, in a millisecond, process all yourself. of that. Right. And I said, you know, con todo respeto, hay pelo largo, hay pelo ondulado, hay pelo colocho. So I started giving these terminologies for hair and I ended the sentences with, um, hay toda clase de pelo y todo pelo es bueno. Pelo malo no existe. Mm -hmm. Like, right. And then all of a sudden, what, what came out of my, my, my heart and my soul was like, you know what? Let me do something. Let me bring a book and I will read it to the kids, not just to elevate my daughter's self-esteem, but everybody under your care. I can do that. Right. right? Knowing that, that other kids may have heard yeah. similar things about their hair. Absolutely. Right. So all of that was happening like in the spirit, in the moment. And um, it gave out, I mean, it, it, what came out of that was a beautiful conversation with the caregiver. And she says, Sulma, you know, uh, disculpa, sabes que yo soy um, Afro-Latina de Puerto Rico. Pero cuando, no, he, he said, yo soy, la, yo soy de Puerto Rico y mi papá era Afro-Latino. Mm -hmm. And every time I would see my dad comb his hair, he would always say, pelo malo, pelo malo, right? And he had no idea that his daughter would be caring for hundreds of kids in yeah. the South Bronx, right? Mm -hmm. Black and brown kids. So I told yeah. her, I'm like, you know, thank you for sharing. And that's going to stop with you and me. Right. Wow. Once I left the, once I exited the babysitter, like the anger came upon mommy. Right. And I'm, yeah, like, yeah. But I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm so upset. Why not towards her. Right. No, no. Just society. A, yeah. Well, like, that's the thing. That's the question I had. Like that was, so you first heard the term pelo malo in the United States. Yeah. Not, mm -hmm. not back home. Cause this is the thing I think about a lot is that, mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, every, every culture, every country is different in Mexico. We have, we have a healthy amount of anti-blackness, right. And um, a lot of black history that we don't really talk about, but I think sometimes in the United States, we like to talk about how, Oh no, no, no. We're so far ahead of other countries. Other countries are really backward and behind and we're advanced, even when we're not perfect. And so I think it is really significant that you didn't have a notion of pelo malo until you were in the United States. Mm -hmm. 
And I kid you not, you go to the remote villages uh, where the Garifuna people still live back home, and I visited uh, some of them, there is no notion of that. Yeah. Still, right? <laughs> you could barely even speak Spanish there because they're making sure the kids are learning the language. Yeah. Um, and from these remote villages comes uh, most of the mo- uh, more, uh, the most like educated Garifuna people because they're very well grounded in who they are. And I think that my response also was because I was grounded and rooted in, in who I was. I knew my values. Uh, right. I knew what I wanted to, and I told you what my husband and I needed to instill uh, on our children. So to make a long story very, very, very short, I literally yeah. wrote the book in five minutes. Um, wow. A couple of weeks Just later, flowed. I could Just not flowed. find, I could, yep, I could not find the book. I did my research on the books. I had a, 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 a woman that would dress up like a princess. She lived in my neighborhood and she would go reading stories. So I asked her to recommend some books to me and I'm like no you know what like this is too poetic like I'm from the Bronx I gotta keep it real (laughs) if it's you know if it's straight hair let's show what that looks like yeah but in a brown girl if it's curly hair let's let's see what it looks like but in a brown girl if it's you know if it's a redheaded so I wanted to make sure that all of my protagonists were were girls and women of color whether Uh, from the darker, beautiful Nubian hues to the multicultural, just wanted to make sure that my 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 daughters um, and the generations to come will always find themselves within what I write, because what I write is all about the world that I see, and the world that I see is um, it's beautiful colors, it's nature. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I empower the young black girls uh, like myself and my daughter so that at least in the material that I write, they would always find themselves all yeah. the time. That is a non-negotiable factor in everything yeah. uh, that I do. Yeah, I'll, I'll have other books with supporting sure. you know, with supporting uh, community members because they are friends of mine. They're like mm-hmm. family to us but I think that my goal is to make sure that um I lend the world my lens let 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 me and my community be the protagonist own those narratives tell those stories draw those images of how we see ourselves to look and um, I wrote the book in about five minutes I wrote it in Spanish that's amazing yeah I called my best friend Isidra Sabio who's also a Garifuna uh, from Mm -hmm. Honduras she's in the neighboring village uh, from Mm -hmm. uh, from me and she said I'm gonna do all the illustrations and from that came you know came she's like that's right and I would literally just randomly like this is one of our friends I think she used a friend of ours Melissa she used oh, okay. this image. This right here was the afro that I had yep. at that point. Okay. But then, like, she drew me as the princess. This is her when she was <laughs> a flower girl. Like, this yep. is my daughter Suleni. Like, this. These are real. Which, which one? Which one's your daughter? Uh, this one at that point, because that's how she used to wear her hair. Oh, okay, time. right. And yeah. <laughs> my my other daughter Bella. She was like musically inclined. So yep. this is Bella, right? So we just used. We just. We used ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's so beautiful. And you know, I I love the end. You know, juega tu, con tu pelo, diviértate con tu pelo, ama tu pelo, porque tu pelo es bueno. Like I think that it, it's such a beautiful way to end it. And then there's a space where you can draw your hair and mm-hmm. other people's types of hair. And yeah. um, I, I love that piece there. Um, is that was it important. So- we wanted you to 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 draw your beautiful difference. 
You're your family members type of hair because we can all coexist in this book together. So once you draw them, we're all coexisting and we'll see how absolutely beautiful we all are. Man, (laughs) I love it. It, it, It's great. And I love being able to um, connect the illustrations to people. The illustrations are wonderful, folks. Like um, you can tell that there's a deep connection between the story being told and the person illustrating the story. This idea that one becomes a writer, not for the sake of becoming a writer, but because there's a story in you that that has to spring forth. Mm-hmm. It could have come out in any other way. You could have been an artist and and painted, but this is where it kind of came out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the thing that I think is is incredible, and I think a lot of us as people of color, maybe we look around for ourselves in stories. And mm-hmm. I would say most of us, when we don't find ourselves in stories, we're like, oh, well, I guess there's no stories, but you took it a completely different way and said, all right, well, if I'm not finding the stories that really resonate and I know what those stories are, I'm going to give life to them. And I just really salute that, that sense of, um, that sense of confidence and certainty that, no, this is just, um, this is just what has to happen. Yeah. The drivers, it was so different for me, right? The driver was like, Oh, in my brain, I'm like, oh, absolutely not. Will the world, you know, I will not allow the world to disrespect my Mm. children, right? So then we took it a step further. I will not allow the world to disrespect the kids in my community. Then I took it a step further. I will not allow the world to disrespect the beautiful global multicultural community. So like the love goes deeper, but it keeps growing. Uh, and, And as my children were growing, right? I'm like, what else can I do for them? I know that there is um, a lack of uh, Black and and Brown CEOs out there. I know that we do not have enough. uh, The reason why we don't have a lot of uh, doctors of color is because doctors will make doctors, right? And we don't see them in our communities. And I question that, right? I'm like, I would love to see in my community Black doctors, yeah. I, I, I would love to see that. And I and I was um, I'm like, how do I open up the gates? What didn't I know as I was growing up? Well, I didn't know the careers yeah. that were available. Right. So what I did with the next book is called My Hair Comes With Me, shifting yeah. what success looks like. Yep. And I kid you not, it came out of Pelo Malo, no existe, this tiny uh-huh. little book over here that got me yep. into corporations and grown women would come up to me and say, wow. you know what, I'm really natural under this. I only take it out on the weekends. I don't, I can't wear my hair natural because I may not get the promotion. And I told one of them, I spit it out. I'm like, well, my next book is My Hair Comes With Me, Shifting the Paradigm of What Success Looks Like. And she's like, oh, <laughs> what is that? And I'm like, oh, what did I just do, right? <laughs> I just literally... You know, Dios me dio otro libro. And I wanted to make sure that it was inclusive. And we never, ever really seen like a dark skinned, beautiful Nubian in a front cover. Right. right? And I wanted to make sure that she was the CEO and that she was in the front cover. We also see that. um, And and this is a book about about reimagining ourselves in different in different positions, right? How do mm. how do I reimagine like an educator, for example? This yeah. is one of my favorite images. Oh, that's right? cool. Henrietta Lacks, yeah. Yes. And she also has um she also has vertiligo. Right. And this was actually one of my friends who is an attorney who saw this image. She said, Suma, this is the first time I have ever seen myself in a book. Wow. 
right? We wanted wow. to make sure that um, uh, uh, that kids of color, girls of color, um, part of the LGBTQ community, that they can be front and center anchors of TV. And the job description for an anchor on TV, like the first one was be well-groomed. Well, what does that mean? According well, to whom? I made sure she yeah. had locks like yeah. me to show the yeah. world that we can be on TV and 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 be well groomed to show yeah. the world that we don't you know that that we can be choreographers that's right for being that's a right that's you, right you know so i wanted to make sure that i included my my disability my, my community of disability uh yeah. in there. and at the end instead of having people draw out i'm giving you real life examples wow right of careers that either we drew in the book or you know is in the yeah. next book Right. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that we showed our girls that they can be pilots, pilots. that they can be marketing executive. Right. Yeah. So throughout this, whole, you can take this book and literally like start teaching history. Yeah. In every single page yeah. of the book. One of my favorite pages is is this one over here. And it's the last page. And it says our aspirations, our accomplishments and our successes go beyond our hair. However, our hair comes with us. Shifting the paradigm of what success looks like is easy because success looks like you and me, right? And this is a, a woman who is director of the vice president of internal affairs, and she's an expectant mom, right? And I yeah. wanted to let people know that you can we can handle a lot of things as, as mm -hmm. women, right? And you look yep. at the time, it's 1215, it's her lunch break. So during That's her right. lunch break, she's going to go do her baby registry. That's right. That's right. So we can handle. So it's like you can teach. A yeah. little bit of something from every single page. And the illustrator and I, see that Savio, we're very, very deliberate in what we're putting in all of these, um, in all of these pages. And what am I saying from all of this is like, as long as I can write, as long as I can speak, as long as I have a platform and a microphone, I'm going to make sure that I tell black and brown uh, girls and boys of colors that people like myself, I'm not the only one in this space. We are literally making right. sure we're fighting the good fight so that when they get older, the red carpet is rolled out. Red carpet yeah. of opportunities is rolled out for them. Yeah. Right. And if I could accomplish, if I accomplish that, then I have done the work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, there, there are so many layers to what you're sharing that are just so powerful. I think one, you know, I think it's easy for folks from the the dominant culture to to look at these questions of representation and say, okay, well, that's just fluff that, you know, that's not the real work, you know, it, that doesn't really inspire people. But what you're sharing is, particularly with My Hair Comes With Me, is that you have, you've had adult women of color come to you and say, wow. And, you know, and I think that's something that I, I see in education all the time is watching folks become increasingly comfortable with wearing their hair in a way that feels natural and correct to them. And then just even as a, as a, as this little like Chicanito from the East side that, you know, that I have always been, um, you know, I had an opportunity to go to theater school and I chose not to, because I couldn't imagine what does a Chicano actor have to add to there aren't any of us out there like nobody like I don't belong there like that doesn't work and so you know to those who would understate the impact of of the work of these books it, it's it's real and mm -hmm. um and we're still seeing in places I think we were chatting a little bit um off mic about how there are still places where 
there are these, like, I forget how you describe them, but these, these like hair codes, these codes on how you can wear your hair. I think you, did you call that something when we talked? Yeah, it's actually um, a, a Unilever Dove campaign called the Crown Act. The and Crown Act. yeah, the Crown Act. And they're literally uh, uh, making sure that they ban hair discrimination across the United States because the, across the United States, there are these laws uh, state laws that say it is okay for me not to hire you because of your braids, your bantu knots, your afro, and they yeah. specifically call out hairstyle. Black hair. They're calling black hair, right? Yeah, literally yeah. black hair, afro descendant yeah. hair, and that yeah. goes for corporations and that goes for schools K through twelve. So yeah. in some areas in the United States, my daughter would not be allowed into class because she has braids. Right. right. So hair should not be keeping or allowed to graduate. Like how many times have we heard stories about about folks who are either young men and young women who are either forced to cut off their dreads or told yeah. to and they're like, no. And then they weren't allowed to walk in graduation. That's um, yeah. yeah it, hair discrimination okay. is very real. No, not even. Not look at me, I'll be east side, not even. <laughs> I didn't, I know, right? No, but let me tell you, it is it is it is so true and so real. And when I roll my hair comes with me, shifting the paradigm of what success looks like. While I was doing the research, I I, I found out that this discriminatory practice was in existence. So I said, when I bring this book out, that's going to be the advocacy that I'm going to start through the book. And I always say like this, Unilever beat me to it, but I was in included as the first Afro-Latina uh, Garifuna woman to be a part of the Crown Act campaign to bring the allyship of the Latinos um, yeah. within it. I think there's about, there, there's about like 20 states that, 20 plus states that have this decided to ban hair discrimination yeah. uh, New York was the number two state a couple of years yeah. ago but to, to think it is disgusting to think that there are still um, white people in power saying we don't got time for that it's yeah. okay we're not gonna ban it whatever you know like so yeah. you're well this okay, whole idea of like right? professionalism right like we know this yeah. idea of professionalism it yeah. very much comes mm -hmm. through a white supremacist lens it's professionalism according to whom and mm -hmm. you know and 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 when you normalize the appearance of one person at the expense of another then you really need to really interrogate what what professionalism right. really is mm -hmm. um and I guess you we know. just have to respect that journey, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to respect their journey uh, uh, in this space. And the way I put it, it's like, you know, when we had the insurrection of January 6th, I didn't see, That's right. you know, adults. I did not see adults. I saw myself as a children's no. book author and I said, they have kids. So my job must wow. continue, wow. right? My job yep. has to continue because although they may not change, but we as a collective have the opportunity to educate their children as well in a loving way to educate them and let them know, listen, you know, my, you know, my, my kids and your kids should be able to play together, right? right. Uh, with, with love. And I always say like this, especially, and one of the things that we were very, that, that we were very conscious of when we even did the illustrations is that we wanted to make sure that human experiences 
are in the illustration. You yeah, know, you see what you know, the, everyone yeah. has someone an older, you know, in my case, it was a, my grandma, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has that experience of sharing a recipe, passing down a recipe to each other. You know, yep. everyone has an, you know, has the experience of taking a photo. Yep putting their arms around it, right? That, that yeah. It's love, it's a portrait. So we wanted to make sure that we identify shared human experiences, yeah. right? And what I do ask if, 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 you know, if you are a white person, an Asian person listening to, to this, but, you know, specifically uh, to, to my white brothers and sisters is like, we allowed, we let your book sit in, in, in our homes. We welcomed your books into right. our home that is how many of our kids learn to read but guess what we're now writing our books and i actually would appreciate the same level of yeah. invitation into your home yeah right because well i mean we're seeing this written. right yeah. we're seeing with yeah. attacks on books and, and bans of books and we know that the vast majority of books that are being banned are, are books that represent marginalized communities like yours, like mine, like others, like LGBTQI plus communities. And so this idea that like, this is not just a children's book that this, this is, um, this is a work of, of love, as you say, and, um, and a work of creativity that like, if you allow one kid to be seen mm -hmm. and to feel seen and to walk a little bit taller because they're like, Mm -hmm. I have great hair because mm -hmm. all hair is great and my hair is great and there is no bad hair, then that's really impactful. And I think I, 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 I am so, I'm so down with this call to action with, you know, folks who come from white communities or, or who really practice whiteness. Like I look at my Latinx community and I think that we, we have some things that we need to work out when it comes to how we treat um, folks who identify as Afro-Latino and who are in our community and our own kind of ideas, you know, that these stories need to be a part of what we're doing. We have to advocate. We need to fight for them to be out there. Um, you have other books, right? You've got that one. And then there's <laughs> the other one. You know, I think it's like four books I counted that, that you have out there. Or is it more? Yeah, no, this is, um, I have three books literally uh, out there. One of them okay. is... Um, the, the, that, the next one out, uh, I believe, would be, I think I'm jealous of my BFF. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And that's really trying to uh, show little ways in which friends could, you know, especially uh, uh, it is a way to avoid cat fights amongst women in the future. Right. And yeah. it starts at the elementary level, at the middle yeah. school level if your friend got a better grade than you why why, why aren't you congratulating her yeah right? if she's getting to be president of the class why aren't you the first one to give her a standing ovation yeah. uh, you know so she along the way she realizes that oh my god am i jealous of my bff mm. right and i'm like how do i counter this how do i make this better yeah you'll we'll see her working through making sure she's a supporter of her friend and vice versa and with um, what we've seen in the news thus far and and yeah. friends like killing other friends girl the cattiness amongst girls and beating yeah. up on each well, other well cyberbullying so much cyberbullying cyber comes from yeah. yeah. And, 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 and sometimes we don't understand that whatever we're feeling inside the insecurity that, that we're feeling inside will snowball into jealousy and may snowball into something that is 
lacking so much love. So the yeah. goal of this book is like, let me, we're not going to lose the love and we're going to take yeah. it all the way through. Yeah. Um, and and that's well, and then uh, there's the whole kind of, I, I think what, what I, what I've noticed in, in the other books is that you're, you're attaching stories and illustration and creativity to lived experiences, to real lived yeah. experiences. Like, um, you know, I think about, I, so the, the other book, um, my, my best friend likes boys. Oh, more than that's me, the one right? that's, yeah. Yeah. My yeah best I think that's, that's beautiful because I, I think about how many kids go through these changes in their lives and they don't understand the feelings that they have. And they yeah. don't understand why am I mad at my friend who's doing good things and I should be happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's something that mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have gotten like some kind yeah. of conversation about, Hey, you know how your friends are like being a little bit different right now? It's normal. And I bet you're yeah, being different yeah, too. Yeah. And, and I let think me that tell you, when, is... I read, when I read that particular book in schools, I see like kids pointing to each other. Oh, that's what you do. That's what you do. Right. And it's like, I know because that's what I used to do. And then my grades yeah. in school went down until my yeah. friend said, Hey, what's up with that? Right. That's right. So she helped me study through through the whole process and I got my brain right you know and then my grade started to come up but the goal is education first it's natural to have crushes the hormones are real but it's a really beautiful way that uh parents and educators can open up that conversation about future relationships so that the child is not embarrassed right because a lot of everything i put into that particular book is everything i used to do and my daughter when she was in middle school uh, it wasn't going to be the third book out when my daughter was like, mommy, the girls in my school are going boy crazy. Can you please take that? Can you please have that? <laughs> Mom, she's like, mom, I need you to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to write a book about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I had the book written. I had read it to her. So she was like, can you please publish it? Please oh, let that be right. the next one. And she was in middle school. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So well, and they because they tell us they tell us what they <laughs> what they want us to teach them. And well, let me know when you get to the late forties, like Mexican American male who's trying to figure out his place in life. Like okay, that's a, that's you. a that's a book I need right now. <laughs> I got um, you. You know, I am I am writing for like our uh, like our age for grown um, people. <laughs> it's just like, for some reason I can't complete those. Yeah. Right. I'm like, oh, why can't I complete? Because I'm not complete in that process and in that journey yet. Wow. Um, so it's like retrospect, like it's yeah. been, been written, you know. It's kind of that looking back and looking ahead because yeah. unlike unlike a book like this, where you you were at that age and you are no longer at that age, you're not a little mm-hmm. kid anymore. Uh, you know, in this, like, I think writing does give you the opportunity to continuously become and explore new, like Paulo Freire writes about the importance, why literacy is so important, that the ability to write, because you think about it once when you write it, and then you think about it again, when you come back to it, and that there's these different layers of awareness that develop from writing. Um, that That's amazing. Um no, you're right on point. I'm sorry to cut you off, but this this no, you're good. of the fact that that's why I'm a self-published author, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a self-published author because it's really hard to pinpoint what genre I belong to. So what yeah. age do you write for, Sulma? I'm yeah. like, it's from the age of comprehension to adulthood. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not a box for that yet. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. There isn't a box for that yet, but you you should know your audience. You should, I'm like this little tiny children's book one-liners have brought me to yeah. Fortune 500 companies, wow. uh, you know, all the way from pre-K to Fortune 500 companies. So Man. it's like, I can't box myself. And what I do know, right. what I the stories that I write is books to grow books right. as you grow so if there's like yeah. a box collection where i can take you from <laughs> from 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 pre-k you know uh knowing who you are self-esteem relationships yeah dating, all of grown, professional that's my box of catalog. i mean your 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 genre is life yeah it's life there you <laughs> it's go it's just life it's a life genre <laughs> well and i think to your point i think i think that's such a powerful thing because as a wannabe writer i sit here i'm like where's my stuff gonna fit like could i write no maybe i don't want to do that and and instead of you know looking at your example it's like i'm just gonna write what's in my heart and i'll let y'all figure out where to where to put it in your store that's not my decision like you put it right. where you're gonna put it and i think you know you mentioned getting into these Fortune 500 rooms. I, I met you through the through a connection with Scholastic, and they've like obviously looked at your work and said, "Hey, why don't you come here and like work with us? And we want you to mentor folks." What what's that work that you're doing with Scholastic? Uh, num number one, I I think I get to I, I not I think I love the fact that <laughs> honor with amplifying the, the the first book collection with Latinos, uh, multicultural Latinos, right? Yeah. Uh, authors and illustrators. Ugh. So I, I'm just like, why why not? And but I was apprehensive at first. I'm like, I oh, I'm sure. I'm like, I need to see the books. I need to like yeah. feel to see if it's real, right? <laughs> you're like, you don't, you're not so, just going to get this name, right? And I need to know that this is not my imagination. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like this is, this is, this is for real. And, you know, they took, um, they took the first step. They came and met me where I was. They came and had uh, dinner with me in the South Bronx to learn uh -huh more about me right for me that's like oh my god you ask elastics want to come to my neighborhood yes yeah <laughs> whatever i'm doing is working right <laughs> let's do this right? that's great <laughs> and you're willing to come on my turf and yeah. be in community with me that's beautiful yeah. that's and beautiful it's yeah it's important when i opened up these um the these books i was in community with the authors with the illustrators, with the children, with the families portrayed uh, in, in these books all the way. I mean, I think the whole spectrum of Latin America, I have not gone through all the books, but the whole spectrum sure. of Latin American culture from um, Afro-Latinos, Black Latinos to Indigenous Latinos to the Latinos that we're used to seeing, we're all this beautiful family within this collection. Wow. Wow. Right. And then like we are able the, the, to the Chasky book, the Chasky book is one of the books that is with the, I'm trying to remember um, the name of it. Right. Um, Chasky something. It's in another room. But yeah. So but uh, yeah, I think I think when I was at the conference, I saw some of these books that are part of this collection. It's beautiful. And I beautiful. think that was something that I was even looking for as as an older high school student was like, where are the voices of my people and the people who come from the same sort of massive geographic region that my people came from? I had a, I had a history teacher tell me that um, Hispanic people didn't have written history because we were a semi-literate culture. Yeah, that 
that we couldn't read. And this, this was, you know, and these are stories that sometimes you attach to, oh yeah, you know, 1920s. I was like, no, this was 1994. This was 1994 in 1990s when so many people should have known better. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, and I, I share that to, to tell you that this work of not only putting the beautiful stories that you are putting out there, but also helping others, you know, tell these beautiful stories, curating these and, and collecting them. Like that's work that speaks to my heart on such a yeah. deep level. Uh, Lil, Lil Hera thanks you. <laughs> Lil Hera, thanks you. No, absolutely. And this is, um, and I look back at, at, at little Sulmita. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, I am. Um, so I am besides an author, I'm also now the executive director of the Bronx Tourism um, Council, right? So that's, okay. of course, I'm tasked with branding the Bronx, creating oh, um, wow. beautiful, uh, beautiful attractions, or at least letting people fun. know yeah. the beautiful attractions that mm-hmm. are already here. So after I I got the the job, I was on um I was on a lift, uh, and the GPS directed this lift, uh, to drive in front of the school that I went to kindergarten with, and I had not been in front of that school in decades. Wow. In decades. And I'm like, my God. Right. And it was for me to pass by. And it was like my spirit person was like, wave to Sulmita, the oh. kindergarten girl <laughs> with two front teeth missing and let her know <laughs> she's now tasked with saying thank you to the borough that made mm. her who she was, that contributed to this beautiful expression uh, that she that she has now, because I was yeah. able to see. And it's all about gratitude. So, yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so how can people follow your work? Um, where can they find your ideas? Where can they find? Are you active on social media at all? So where can they find you? You know, I'm I'm definitely more active in the Instagram space. Yeah, yeah. The no pelo malo. <laughs> no pelo malo. Yep. Sulma, right. You go you you www.nopelomalo. That's me dot com. Uh, so if you do want to order the books, you could just go to No Pelo Malo or you could just go to the Amazon space. Or order from No Pelo Malo. <laughs> yeah, right. Definitely. And it, and it's important. You know, the holidays are coming, uh, right. but there's a birthday every day. There's a birthday every day. every day. There's somebody that, you know, there's a school that 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 you're next to in your vicinity, like gift them. Uh, books like mine, right? Start yeah. with Malo No Existe, My Hair Comes With Me, and then and, and uh, allow them to see our beautiful community because my books are all about unifying all of us. My books are all of us. Um, uh, uh, my books are all about um, sharing my family and my community with you, right? So uh, I think it's important that we all see each other because I see you every single day and I'm grateful for every human being that's on this yeah. planet uh, yeah, because I so- think that we we all make it special. We just have to understand that we are wonderfully made, which is literally biblical. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's beautiful. So we have one last segment we like to do. I don't know if you've had any chance to prepare for this. Um, we do a little piece called um, Top Five Rappers, but we also know that not everybody listens to rap and hip hop music. How do you feel about giving us the top five performers that you have just off the top of your head. So there's a couple of rules to this. Um, Kevin's better at explaining the rules. Um, I'm better at breaking them. Um, so essentially the rules are, there are no rules. Um, 
you can, it doesn't have to be a ranking. You don't, it doesn't have to be hierarchical. So you don't have to say this one is number one. This one is number two. It can just be a collection of five performers. Um, you can have ties. You can have a three-way tie for second, a four-way tie for fifth, like whatever. Um, and um, it doesn't have to represent the entirety, entirety of your life's journey, right? Like, like we've talked about is there's always this kind of process of being and growing and learning. It can just be in this moment. I know Spotify wrapped came out for a lot of people. I don't know if you just want to share your wrapped or whatever that is. But so the question I have for you, author motivator, inspiration, Sulma, Arsu Brown. Who are your top five? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we got to put you on the spot. Let me give a shout out to my Garifuna artist, Bodoma. I Bodoma. Love See, this is why I wasn't going to do this segment. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> I know that this Garifuna sister is going to have some great music. So tell me that name again. Bodoma, literally, Bodoma. phonetically, Bodoma. Bodoma. Yeah. Yep, that, that's right. my that's my guy. He's also a family member. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Brother drums to my wedding. So he All right. <laughs> I love it. Um they uh I I know KRS one for sure. Yes. From, yeah. from, from, oh, yeah. from South Bronx. Bronx. I mean, he's got a whole song, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> KRS one. I love Jamaican music, so Buju Bantam. Buju. Okay, this is the first time Buju Bantam's shown up on a top five, and I'm so okay. here for it. Um, mm -hmm. untold stories is like one of my, one of my favorite mm -hmm. like tracks. And then of course you got to walk like a champion, like always, always mm -hmm. walk like a champion <laughs> on my Pandora for the record. Him, Celia, got Cruz, to. come on, Celia, Celia man, man, is Celia on your top no. five or is she La just Azúcar. Yes. Whenever like something great happens, I want to hear La Negra Tiene Tumbao, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. And it's my, my wife and I like to go out dancing. There's a little place we like to go to. And uh, when when she and Johnny Pacheco do Kimbara, like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Kimbamba, oh. Kimbara, Kimbara. Yeah. Oh, great. Listen, so we so got I got to go where you are and go out dancing with you. That's guys. right. That's right. Next time you're in Colorado, <laughs> we will take you. Um, mm -hmm. over to Raices. That place is dope. <laughs> um, for sure. Okay, good, good. I already love the name. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Nicki Minaj. Yeah. I her from her original, um, uh, when she first came out, Foxy Brown, because she took me back to, to high school when I, I was <laughs> yes. today that we did a whole dance performance on a Foxy <laughs> Brown clean version. Clean uh, version. Got to do the clean version. Stage, so, Get in um, trouble but, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's when I started. Of course, Little Kim. That's when I really started like the the the, the, the women rapper. And yeah. believe it or not, when I do photo shoots, when I do some photo shoots, I have to put on like my Sag sister, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. That was not one I saw coming, but okay. <laughs> yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Like it's like... <laughs> What's up, Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we all got our little kind of idiosyncrasies, right? Like Kevin gives yeah. me a hard time because for me, like I can't have a motivational playlist that doesn't feature Linkin Park and I can't explain it. Like I can't tell you <laughs> why I'm a Linkin Park stan, but I, I need that music in my life. Um, you know, you talking about Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim, of course, makes me uh, think of Remy Ma. 
Um, you know, I know Remy Ma's right here, but it's yeah, she's right there, she's right there. Well, I, I love it. So, well, so I love how to you neck of the woods. That's, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, that's right, that's One right. Well, and you know, exactly. And you know, and Fat Joe always said that he wasn't intimidated by any other rapper except Remy Ma. Like he knew he if he was gonna share um music or verses with her he, he, like she had to think they were on point because if she didn't it would just ruin him <laughs> so it was like that that brilliance and that strength that that even even fat joe who experiences challenges in life um <laughs> yeah. is uh is able to acknowledge i love how like the idea of the top five i, I saw you kind of like deer in the headlights like oh what do i do here and you just <laughs> put out a list of eight fire performers and I'm here for it. So what we'll do is when this episode comes out, we will link to a Spotify playlist of yeah. um it, it will be we'll call it the no pelo malo playlist. Right. And it's because in in honor of you. Um Sulmarasu Brown, I'm so I'm so humbled that you came on the show. I had so much fun talking to you today. We gotta do this again. Um, I, I hope we do. I hope let's we do, do it. Let's do it. And you know, we have we're always trying to get stories out here. And you know, we definitely want to get your books in front of people. Um, it's the No Pelo No Pelo Malo website. Um, yep. and like order from there, support um authors from our communities, creators from our communities. But this is amazing because there's so much more I want to dig into with you and like really kind of get that going. But um, we'll do it again. Um Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's important to do it again because if you notice, eight years later, we're we're, we're still talking about this very, very yeah. important topic. And I, uh, I love progress. So every single year, I want to have something new to share. Yeah. Uh, with you and I think 2023 will 2023 will make way for more newness some some surprises yeah. are coming up and Always. I cannot wait to share Ooh. with you so I'm gonna hit you up anyway I'm like yo we got something brand new yeah yeah and, yeah um, you, you heard it here first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you gotta bring it to two dope teach. oh I, got to I'm so sorry oh but I just wanted to ask to like t-o-o what is the significance and why is it not like two or like T oh like yeah. yeah no I love that question um so well first of all we didn't want to get in trouble with two dope queens we thought we might get in trouble with them mm -hmm. um no but the uh the big reason has to do with we don't argue that we are the only two dope teachers that are out there we argue that we're highlighting teachers who are too dope right and oh. so through your books um, you know, you are sharing stories that are just too dope, right? Mm. Like they're, they're too dope and we have to bring it out there. So that's what we try to do. Um, it allows us, um, a way to share the platform with other educators and other people mm. who engage in an educational process, uh, to let you know that, that if you are with us and you're part of the too dope nation, the nation of, mm -hmm. of folks who are too dope. So that, so if that makes yeah. sense, that's kind of how we do it. Um, you know, get a little bit of, of that. And, you know, because for us, it's never just been about the words that we say, it's about the stories that people, um, are so kind and generous to share with us, uh, whenever we get on the air. So that's where it comes from. That's dope. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So one thing we like to do is um, as I as I kind of take us out, I'll ramble just a little bit and I'll give you a signal and we can say stay dope together. Um, and uh, so, folks, for 
the successful author and creator and inspirational presence, Sulma Arzu Brown. My name is Gerardo Munoz for uh, Kevin Adams, my co-host in absentia. He's trying to get through that, but we just want to encourage you to stay warm in this cold weather, stay inspired to tell stories. If your story isn't out there, stay focused on putting it out there because your story matters and stay saying that pelo malo no existe, there is no bad hair. Stay creative, stay strong. It's hard out here in these streets. But above all, make sure that you always stay dope. Stay dope. <laughs>